much as we want to go to heaven, he wants us to go to heaven even more. That's hard to imagine, but it's true because his love is far greater than ours. So uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer tonight and we'll just ask him to uh, have his hand on our nation. And we don't know what's in store. Um, Regardless of who gets elected, there's going to be some trying times ahead for the church, I'm sure. And uh, we need God's strength in his spirit. And uh, he'll be on, in charge no matter what. So uh, we've got to stay close to him. But there's nothing wrong with asking God's blessing and desiring a better result. That's good. We need to do, continue to pray that way. Anybody else? All right. Okay. Yes. Pray for Sydney. She just uh, one of those that um, got the Holy Ghost, and she was actually baptized as well. So we know when anybody uh, is born again, there's a furious battle that begins in their life, and uh, the enemy doesn't like to lose grip. And so um, just pray for her. She won't feel condemned, but she'll know we are here for her, and we're there for the journey. Yes, Byron. Yes, lost friends and loved ones, classmates, co-workers, neighbors. Uh, Yes, John. Yeah, some strength. All right. Just remember, Brother John, during this time, it's never easy to lose someone. And uh, she was like a family member to Brother John, so that's not easy, obviously. So pray for his strength, traveling mercies if it comes to that. Okay. Okay. All right, well, let us know when that happens. Give us a text, and we'll be praying. All right. Anybody else? (laughs) Lovely system. Pray for the sound system. It uh, does its own thing. So, all right. Yes, Byron. Yes, pray for you service Thursday. You're going to have a good time with some youth from Texas. And uh, they just want to be a blessing. So I said, sure, let's have a service. And you you guys do it. And uh, we'll just worship with you. So, that'll be good. All right, let's take our knees for the Lord so we don't take up too much time tonight. Lord, just thankful for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. I'm thankful that you uh, not only hear our prayers, but you are willing to answer our prayers. Uh, you are waiting for us to ask for help. And when we do, you respond. And you told us in your word that we could boldly come to the throne of grace in the time of need. And so we just come before you tonight with all these different requests, knowing that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. And uh, that you are in control no matter what's going on in America, no matter what's going on around the world or in our individual lives. If we'll just surrender to your grace Your grace is sufficient for us, no matter what we're facing. And we will always be victorious in you as we surrender to you, Lord. So we just ask that you have your hand upon all these requests, and uh, that you'll help us in the next few minutes to receive uh, instruction, encouragement, edification from your word, that will go with our faith encouraged, ready to face whatever is before us, because greater is he that is in us, than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read uh, out of the book of Luke to begin tonight. Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 42 through 43. And I just pray for some of the brethren that aren't able to be here tonight. Thankfully, we do have uh, the recording ministry, so we can get them the sound. Uh, But we just pray for their strength tonight. Lord, have his hand upon them. Luke 12, uh, 42 to 43 says, The Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? 
whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. In other words, blessed is the servant or the steward who when the Lord comes will find that steward faithful. Faithfully doing what he is called to do. So uh, I believe the Lord has just uh, really admonished me in the last couple of weeks. And I believe it's a good message for all of us to be faithful stewards. Faithful stewards. Uh, Fred Craddock, um, in address to ministers, caught the practical implications of consecration. He said, To give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others. To pay the ultimate price of being a martyr. Of literally giving my life. I will gladly step forward and do it. Lord, I'm here and I'm waiting. I will pay the ultimate price. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking $1,000 and laying it on the table and saying, Here is my life, Lord. I give you everything. But the reality is, most of us, for most of us, He sends us to the bank and has us cash in the $1,000 for quarters. So that as we go through life, we put out 25 cents here, 50 cents there, here a little, there a little. Listen to the neighbor's kid's troubles instead of saying, get lost, kid. Going to a committee meeting, giving a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done all in those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little, day by day, in those unspectacular events. The word faithful in its biblical definition means trustworthy. A person who shows themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. Someone who is faithful. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, Being faithful is having or showing true and constant support or loyalty. Someone who's deserving of trust. Keeping your promises or doing what you're supposed to do. Am I being faithful? Are we trustworthy? Proverbs 20 and 6 says, in the Amplified Version, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty and goodness. Lots of people say they're loyal. (laughs) Lots of people say they're good. But who can find a faithful and trustworthy man? So evidently saying it's not enough. (laughs) Not only do we have to talk the talk, but more importantly, we need to walk the walk. A faithful man is hard to find. And like anything that is lofty in character... Our ability to live up to the biblical standard is dependent on God's grace alone. We're not born with it. It has to develop over time. We have to work at it by submitting ourselves to God and letting Him build our character. It doesn't happen by accident. So tonight, if we're talking about some of these things, I'm going to try not to take very long, but... Some of these principles, they might have that same feeling as the men did in the day of Pentecost. They were pricked in their heart. It's called conviction. (laughs) Sometimes we hear something that we're not quite doing right and it hurts a little bit. But don't, don't shy away from that. Embrace it. 
because that helps us to grow. Being held to a higher standard, a biblical standard, in this area will help us to grow because none of us have perfected faithfulness. There are some great men here tonight. I respect you greatly, but none of us is perfect in the area of faithfulness. We all have room to grow and to become more like Jesus. So it's a challenge, but it's a privilege to become more like Him. And in this day and age where there's not very many faithful men, when we are faithful as Christ teaches us to be faithful, we will shine as lights in the night. Because people will acknowledge there's something different about that person. We're seeing unfaithfulness in politics right now, right? (laughs) That's what causes us to grieve. (laughs) Because we can't find a candidate who seems to be faithful. I don't care what their ethnicity is. I don't care what their gender is. If there could just be someone that's faithful, it would make me feel a whole lot better. But because our our society in, in many ways is not valuing faithfulness, it shows in our choices of candidates. But we can be faithful as God helps us to be faithful. We can be people that others look up to and they look to because we are trustworthy. Why should we be faithful? Number one, we need to be faithful because God is faithful, right? Thank God He's faithful. <laughs> First John 1 John 1.9, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. If I only had one verse to go on, I think I would choose this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful, Right? That means he'll never go back on it. He will always forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that gives me great comfort because I don't feel worthy many times to receive it. Other people would not say I was worthy to receive it. The enemy and accuser of our souls certainly doesn't tell us we're worthy. (laughs) But we can stand on the word of God that says he is faithful. And so I just have to confess my sin. I have to humble myself and confess it to Him. And He's faithful. That means every single time He will forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He's faithful. There's no greater assurance for me in the entire world than this fact right here that God is faithful to forgive and to cleanse. If God wasn't faithful, I would be of all men most miserable. What, what else is there to look to in this world? It's almost a blessing that many other things that we could look to are proving to be unfaithful because then it makes us look back to Jesus, who is faithful. Another one as men that's encouraging because we're living in a day of great temptation. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. To what? To, he will not suffer us to be tempted above that which we are able, but with temptation will also make a way to escape, that we may be able to bear it. I'm thankful that in temptation, though sometimes I'm unfaithful, God is faithful. And if I'll turn back to Him, even in the midst of my unfaithfulness, He's faithful to pick me up. He's faithful. He's faithful even to keep us from falling. 1 Corinthians 5.23-24 May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know that's not possible by ourselves. But the one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. So all we have to do is come to him and ask, and we can receive. There's no way we can earn it, there's no way we can be worthy. 
But if we will come and ask, and we will come and surrender, and submit ourselves to God, He's faithful, and He will do it. He will present us blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how encouraging is that? That is, to me, the most encouraging thing in the world. I'm thankful I have a Father who's faithful. He's faithful. And one of the greatest attributes of someone who's faithful is that they keep their word. They don't need a 136-page contract to try to button down all the ways they can escape. And then there's still the small print at the, begin, at the end of the 136 pages where they'll show you right where you signed. It says the previous 136 pages don't mean anything. Your warranty that covers you bumper to bumper does not apply in this situation. I'm sorry. How does it? You said bumper to bumper. How does it not cover? Well, bumper to bumper, just the middle part of the drive line, bumper to bumper. Oversold on that one. But God doesn't do that. If He says He's going to do it, He doesn't have to sign a contract. Even though He's done it, He's shown us many times over and over again. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Now know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him, and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. He is God, the faithful God. He keeps covenant. He never goes back on covenant. What he says he will do, he will do. In 1 Peter 1, 23-25 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. God's word is forever. It's forever settled already. What's written is written, and it's forever settled and if we will simply obey His Word, take Him at His Word, and again, that doesn't mean we're always going to live up to His Word, but we respond correctly when we fall. Because a righteous man doesn't walk and never fall, right? But a righteous man falls and he gets back up again. And he gets back up again by turning to his Savior in repentance and acknowledging the sacrifice of the cross and the resurrection as our salvation. His word is forever settled. So no, whatever's happening in the world, whatever they're saying on all the, all the experts are saying, whatever is out there, you can just read the Bible and find out the truth. I would be so confused without the Bible nowadays because I would wonder who I'm supposed to believe. It makes it so easy. There's so much peace when you just realize the Bible's true. If something contradicts the Bible, I don't believe it. If something agrees with the Bible, great. The Bible is the filter, the ultimate filter, because God keeps His Word. And you don't have to question, oh, I don't know if, if the Bible is really God's Word. I don't know if it's true. Well, God said He would preserve it. So it's true. By his own word, he said he would preserve it. So if he can't preserve it, that makes God a liar. And that's not possible. So if you want to study the original Greek and Hebrew to be extra careful, that's easier than ever. Blue Letter Bible. It's very simple. You get an app for that. You don't have to have a library with millions of volumes of books. You just tap on the word and it tells you exactly what the original 
Greek or Hebrew means. God preserves his word because he's faithful. And like him, we need to try to be faithful. Again, I have a long ways to go to be even close to as faithful as God. But that's not an excuse not to try. How many times do we say things that we don't follow through on? Some things that we need to consider tonight. Being faithful stewards. As we read in Luke, we'll read a few more verses around it for context. Luke chapter 12. And I don't have these on the PowerPoint, um, Brother Ryan, but uh, starting with verse 35. Luke 12. 35, we'll read a few verses here. It's talking about the coming of the Lord and if we will be ready when He comes. I want to be ready, right? <laughs> I want to be ready. If He comes in my lifetime, I definitely want to be ready. He said, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Okay, well, they would gird about their loins when they were ready to do something strenuous. You need to gird your loins if you're going to sit on the couch. You're getting ready to do something. Most often it was to run or to work or do something that they had to gird up the loins to to keep their garments from getting in the way. So somebody that's, that's busy doing the work of the Master. And keep your lights burning. Okay? And oftentimes lights burning had to do with the oil, right? And the oil represents the Holy Ghost. So keep ourselves full of the Holy Ghost for His return. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord, verse 36 says, when He will return from the wedding, that when He cometh and knocketh, they may open unto Him immediately. They are waiting around for Him. They're anticipating His return. They're not so busy doing other things, they're not waiting for Him to return. But immediately they respond to his knock. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Okay? If if somebody knows that somebody's coming to rob their house, they're going to be waiting. Right? You know somebody's going to come and try to rob your house? You're going to be sitting up waiting for them. Right? He's saying that's the same way we need to wait for the coming of the Lord so that it's not as he is a thief in the night that we miss him. Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour which or when you think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Is it just for us or is this for everybody? The Lord said, Who then is a faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? So I'm speaking to anyone who will be a faithful and a wise steward. Blessed is that servant, verse 43 says, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. I want God to be able to trust me. And if we're going to be ruler, we've got to first learn to be faithful. We've got to be faithful before we rule. F.B. Meyer said, Don't waste your time waiting and longing for large opportunities which may never come. But faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. Sometimes we are guilty of sitting around waiting for a big opportunity before we're faithful. 
Instead, we need to just be faithful to whatever is before us claiming our attention. Because when someone comes around looking for someone to hire, so to speak, they're going to find someone who is busy about work. Someone who's not wasting their opportunities in front of them, but they're busy about what they're doing, and then they will be called into something greater. Are we being faithful to the things that require our daily attention? There's a couple areas, four areas total, we'll discuss and then we'll be done. But number one, we need to be faithful stewards in our devotions to the Lord. Our relationship with Him. Again, this is not about doing something out of religious obligation. This is not about trying to earn a get-out-of-hell-free card. This is about a relationship. And I put this first because if we don't have that connection to God, as I said, we don't have the ability to be faithful as we should be without Him. It's through His Spirit that I gain character. It's through His Spirit that I gain integrity. It's through His nature being imparted to me that I am able to rise above my inhibitions. If I'm not connected to Him, everything else will tumble down. But it's not always glamorous to pray every day. It's not always glamorous to pick up the Bible and and read some scriptures and study some scriptures. It's not glamorous, but it's necessary. We can't wait till we're asked to preach to read the Bible. That's one of the biggest things that, that preachers face that that are preaching week after week after week. Pastors are always told, and, and I can attest to the fact that it's a temptation. You can't just read the Bible for sermon material. <laughs> and as a young man, if you feel a call of God in your life, you can't wait till somebody asks you to preach to study. And we can't wait till something's desperate to pray. Yes, we need to pray when things are desperate, but we're going to be a lot stronger in that situation if we've been praying in the meantime. Right, if, you're, if you're going to run a marathon, Brother Ryan will tell you this, I've never run one, so I don't know. And I probably never will know. Because I'll drive. I'll ride my bike. I'll do something. I'm not going to run 26K or whatever it is. Forget about it. You're not going to be successful if you wake up the morning of the marathon and say, oh yeah, today's the marathon. I think I'll take a lap around the block to prepare myself. You're going to collapse and during the marathon. They're going to be scooping you up off the pavement with a shovel. You've got to train. You've got to prepare. So when the time comes, you know, firemen, they, they don't sit around the fire station. Now, it seems like that to us, but... They don't sit around all the time and just, you know, eat pizza, ice cream, just hang around the fire station. They're doing drills. They're doing exercise. They're preparing themselves. So when the fire signal sounds, they are ready. So praying and and reading the Word of God in the quote-unquote down times prepares us for crisis prepares us for use to step into that place when the opportunity arises and be used of God. There are some crises possibly coming in our country more than ever before. And I don't say those things to be a doomsday. It's just the facts. It's no different than the disciples had in their day. And if we're not praying, we're not reading the Bible we're going to be like them that fell asleep in the garden when it was time to pray. We need to be faithful to devotions. Praying, reading the Bible needs to be a daily thing in our lives. We need to be faithful, secondly, as stewards over our families. And if you don't have a family yet, just consider this as future preparation or consider this as watching over your own self. Okay. 
But after our relationship with God, our family is the next most important responsibility in our lives. We are called to be faithful stewards of our household. Being stewards over our families is even more important than our responsibilities to ministry, the local church, or the body of Christ as a whole. Our family, after our relationship with God, is number one. Again, as a pastor, me as a pastor of this church is secondary to me as a husband and a father. Is the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes I admittedly get those things mixed up. But my family, more important than anything else than my direct relationship with God, more important than my job, career, more important than my ministry, is my family, my spouse. If I'm married, our wife's happiness and emotional security rests almost completely on us. That's just the way it is. God has called us to give them security. God has called us to give them love to help them to be happy and content in life. Most of the success of the marriage depends on us. Now, I understand if, if, if a, a wife chooses... She's not going to be part of a relationship. Yeah, she can forfeit the process. But really, the weight of the responsibility is on the husband. And it's certainly not glamorous to serve your spouse every day. It's not glamorous. It's not, it doesn't always seem like the best opportunity in the world. But as Christ gave himself for the church, we are to give ourselves to our wives and faithfulness and with temptation everywhere we certainly need God's grace to be faithful again hopefully this gives a little conviction to any husbands here because maybe we haven't physically carried out an affair but have we been 100% faithful in our emotions and in our minds we need to grow in that area where we're not just physically committed to our wives and physically we're avoiding adultery, physically we're showing up to the house, but mentally and emotionally we are committed to them faithfully day after day. A good test is when it comes time for our wives to talk to us. meddling a little bit now I won't even look up while I say this okay I'll just look at myself preach to me and you wear the shoe if it fits hey honey blah, 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 blah. and that's all we hear if we had it's like we have a hearing aid that we just shut it off we don't have one, but we just, we see the lips moving. We don't hear the words. We check out. That's not being faithful. ADD. We need to give our wives undivided attention. That's part of faithfulness. Undivided attention. Not just half listening. Not saying, talk to me later. Of course, there's, you know, give and take. You know, when you first get home, there's times to relax and you need to just rest a little bit. There's activities to be done. There's balance. But we can't always come home and just ignore or don't give ourselves. Our wives are more worthy of our attention than anything else besides God. And it's so easy for them to get the least of our attention. What about your children? You don't read too many deeds of valor involving men reading books to their children at night. You don't see purple hearts given out for reading a bedtime story. It's not a, a, a thing of valor to do. But it's just as important as fighting a war on foreign soil. Taking time to be interested in what your children are interested in. Yeah, you may not care 
anything about Sophia, the princess, because I sure don't. I wouldn't be reading Sophia on my own. I wouldn't go to Barnes and Nobles and look up Sophia for my personal entertainment. But my daughters enjoy it, so I have to read it sometimes. Otherwise, I'm not faithful as a father. Because I need to be interested in what they're interested in. And again, if they come to me, they shouldn't be treated as an interruption. Again, there's balance, and we don't have to be on call to our children 24 hours a day. But there needs to be a balance where we stop everything and we focus. And maybe you didn't do this as much and when your children are younger, maybe they're adults now, but you can still be there for them. God has a way of redeeming the time where maybe we weren't there like we wanted to before, but we can always turn it around now and let them know we love them now and let them know I'm here for you now. Anytime you need someone to talk to, please call me. We need to be faithful stewards. We need to be there for our children. And one time I just, I, half of me wanted to cry, the other half of me wanted to go over there and smack this guy upside the head. But I seen this guy and his, he's sitting there with his cell phone and he's just doing on his cell phone and his son is about three or four years old, is literally jumping on him, grabbing his pant leg, pulling on his arms and he's just doing this. Dad, 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 dad. Finally, the kid gave up after about a minute. Literally, like a solid minute. Just, it was over, it was, I can't remember if I was in a restaurant or in the mall, but I just seen him. Just for, he didn't even acknowledge him. For like a solid minute. And finally, his son walked away. That's a horrible example of a faithful steward. That's an unfaithful steward. And the problem is I've been guilty of it myself sometimes. Maybe to not to that extreme, but I've been guilty of it. I am responsible for my household. God expects me to be a faithful steward of my house. I have no right trying to do something else in the kingdom of God if I'm not being a steward in my own house. Something to think about. Two more things. But take a deep breath. <sighs> this is a little intense tonight. Faithful stewards on our jobs. <laughs> Again, I'd look back. Sometimes I examine my employment. Some jobs I would get bored. Proverbs 10.4 says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. We need to be diligent on our jobs. I'm sorry, but we can't claim to be having Christian character if at work we don't work. We need to have a reputation of someone who will work. Not only that, but someone who will have a good attitude when they're asked to do something. Daniel had an excellent spirit. That's why he had favor with the king. So we need to be the person with the good attitude at work. When we're asked to do something we don't want to do, we don't oh, act like a two-year-old. So adults revert to two years old when they're asked to do something sometimes. They go stomping off and if they had a pacifier, they'd throw it. We've either been that person or we've worked with that person. I've told people before, why don't you just get a different job? <laughs> you hate this so bad, no one's making you stay here. Just get a different job. Do something you want to do. It's a better witness to quit a job 
than to drag your feet all day long. We should be a hard worker. We should be someone with a great attitude. Our work ethic should be a witness of God's faithfulness. Finally, we need to be faithful stewards in the body of Christ. Charles Spurgeon preached to thousands in London each Lord's Day. He had a congregation of thousands. Yet he started his ministry by passing out tracts and teaching a Sunday school class. When he began to give short addresses to the Sunday school, God blessed his ministry of the Word. He was invited to preach in obscure places, not big churches, not well-known places, but obscure, off-to-the-way places in the country. He used every opportunity to honor the Lord. He was faithful in the small things, and God trusted him with the greater things. I am perfectly sure, he said, that if I had not been willing to preach to those small gatherings of people in the obscure country places... I should have never had the privilege of preaching to thousands of men and women in large buildings all over the land. Remember our Lord's rule, whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Because as men, we struggle with the ordinary. It takes so much more discipline to be excited about the ordinary. But we have to learn to be faithful in the seemingly small tasks, even in the kingdom of God. It's easy to get excited about special services when there's some new faces, or there's some, a special theme or a special speaker. It's easy to get up for Youth Congress, which most of us have never been to, but when you're talking about 30 plus thousand youth worshiping God all together in a stadium, that's not hard to get excited, right? I mean, that's easy. When you're surrounded by literally thousands upon thousands of people worshiping God, it's easy to get pumped up, right? But do we come to each and every service at our local church ready to worship God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength simply because He's worthy, Are we ready to lead our family and others in prayers and praise? Are we ready to rise up as men and take authority over the enemy of our city and our families and our homes on a daily basis just because it needs to be done? Someone needs to stand in the gap. No one's going to know you're driving down the road praying over your city. But doing it will forward the kingdom of God. It will advance the kingdom of God. I've heard it said that if our children have to say, are we going to church today? There's a problem. If they have to ask, not because they don't know the day, okay? <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, sometimes they just don't know the day. I'm not saying that. But if they know church is going on and they have to say, are we going? That means we've been missing too much. It should be automatic. Right? We should prioritize the house of God. And I'm not criticizing or condemning. I know there's, there's exceptional circumstances such as sickness. I had to miss some commitments last week due to sickness. So I'd be a hypocrite if I said, you can never miss church for being sick. You should be here. Rain or shine. Sick or well. Crawl in the pew if you have to. Bring your bucket and vomit if you have to. Show up to church. Okay? I would be a hypocrite. Okay? When you're sick, stay home. It's okay. But if you're sick because your favorite game is on, or if you're sick because there's a movie you want to watch, again, it's between you and God. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm not going to go to your house and take your temperature. <laughs> Pastor's here with a thermometer. See, if you're really sick, I'm not going to do that. I don't care to. It's not my job. I'm not a policeman. I'm a pastor. (laughs) 
because there's a phone call. <laughs> phone call is different. If you ever call me to come over, I'll come. But I just won't show up unannounced and check on you. <laughs> there are exceptions. House calls sometimes. But the point is, I'm not out there trying to police anybody. I'm not doing this for my own good, but it should be for our own good and for our family's good. And in America, we always think about, how does it affect me? You leave a hole in the body of Christ when you're not there. So it's not only just what's best for you, even though it is best for you, we also have to think about what's best for others. It's best we choose a church home and we make it a priority. And again, there's, there's situations with employment, so I'm not trying to say you can never miss because of work, but we should just try to, as much as possible, prioritize the house of God. I'm not trying to condemn anybody today. And certainly, you should, I not only say you should take vacations, if, if you took my counsel at all, I would say you must take vacations from time to time because, again, the family is above the local church, and if all you do is go to church and never take your family anywhere, then they're, that's not good either. But it shouldn't be six months of vacation out of the year. Unless you move to Arizona, like during the off-season. You get to spend six months there and six months here, which would be nice, right? But I'm just saying that we have to prioritize our role in the body of Christ. And, and maybe what we're doing at the time doesn't seem glamorous or exciting, and it's not what called, God has ultimately called us to do. But if we'll be faithful in what we're being asked to do at the time, it will open the doors for greater things. Like in the case of Joseph. He just kept on working hard no matter what they position he found himself in. He worked his way to the top because he had favor with men because of his excellent attitude and he just continued to work. He continued to glorify the Lord to the best of his ability. The final example is, is Elisha. I'm sure there were times where Elisha got tired of serving Elijah. I'm sure there were plenty of days he was bored out of his mind. There were plenty of days that Elisha wanted to be doing something else, anything else. I'm sure he got tired of waiting sometimes for his turn to be used by God. But Elisha remained faithful to serve Elijah. In fact, when Elijah told him, don't even worry about coming with me right now, Elisha said, no, I'm coming with you. I'm not staying behind. I'm not, I'm not leaving your side. I am your shadow. I'm not going anywhere. Elijah even gave him an out and he wouldn't take it. Because he wanted to receive the mantle. And so he kept faithfully serving Elijah in all those mundane tasks and through all the difficulty and the struggle until that day when 2 Kings chapter 2 records that Elijah was taken up. Verse 13 says, The mantle of Elijah fell from him. So Elisha grabbed this mantle. He went back and he stood by the bank of Jordan. Can you imagine Elisha's been waiting? I don't know what the time frame was, how long it was. It'd probably do, be good to research it, but he'd been waiting for a long time for this moment. And here's the test. He's got the mantle in his hand. Stand at the banks of the river Jordan. And he took the mantle. And he must have thought to himself, it's time to see if this was worth the wait. Probably part of him is thinking, I'm going to smack this water. All that's going to happen is this mantle is going to get wet. But as soon as he smote the waters, 
He said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He didn't even call out his own name yet. He's still questioning if what he's invested his time in is worth it. And all this faithfulness to serve Elijah, he's calling on the God of Elijah. And when he had also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. And I know there's more than what's recorded in the Bible, but I've heard it said that in Elisha's lifetime, he was one miracle short of exactly twice as many as Elijah. Because remember, he asked for a double portion. But you'll remember, after Elisha was in the grave, and he threw somebody's body on his bones, the guy rose up. He rose up from the dead. The bones of Elisha caused this person to raise back up from the dead. And that miracle made it twice as many. So Elisha didn't see it in his lifetime here on earth. But he literally had a double portion. And that being the final miracle to give him twice as many recorded miracles as Elijah. Because he was faithful. Elisha received because he was faithful. In the days we're living in, God is looking for faithful men that he can do amazing things through. And I believe he wants to use everyone in this room. And I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm not saying that with exaggeration. God wants to use all of us. Every single one of us. And he even is using us right now. But the thing is, if we're only looking at those grand, amazing be on CNN or whatever, TBN, whatever. You think being on TV is, is, is our, our mark of making it. We're missing the point. It's being faithful with our everyday activities. Being faithful to our relationship with the Lord. Being faithful to our families. Being faithful on our job. And being faithful in whatever there is for us to do in the body of Christ. When we're faithful in those things... At the end of time, even if we never ascended to some place of other people's knowledge, the Lord will say on that day, Thou good and faithful servant, enter into your eternal rest. Thou good and faithful servant. He's either going to say, Depart from me, I knew you not, or Thou good and faithful servant. Those are the only two options. And I want to hear, thou good and faithful servant. And we're going to hear that as we're faithful in the little things. Amen. We get a stand tonight. Thank you for letting me take just a little bit more time than normal. I uh, just felt really strongly about this message tonight. Not just for you guys, but again, I get passionate because I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> I'm encouraging myself because I need to improve in these areas. I need to do better and I can only do it by the grace of God. So as we close tonight, we're just going to ask God to help us and we're going to recommit our efforts.